The Florida Gators play football tomorrow. Here's how the Gators match up with the Wildcats on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We're available daily and free, so thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon, written work with whole nine sports at GiantsCountryOfSI.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Check out Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Before getting into today's content, just going to thank you guys. I set a goal of getting to 2,500 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, I believe it was by next week, and you, you did it in like four days. <laughs> so thank you for that one. Uh, it's very much appreciated. We're talking about this Florida Gators versus Kentucky Wildcats matchup. Sorry. Also, if you took a picture with me last week in Gainesville, send it to me on Twitter in a DM or the Locked On Gators Instagram. We're talking about this Florida Gators versus Kentucky Wildcats matchup. And similar to last Friday, how we talked about Florida's offense against Utah's defense in the first segment, that's what we're doing here again, Florida's offense versus Kentucky's defense. I think the first thing you have to look at here is kind of about Kentucky's offense at the same time, but um, it's tempo from the Florida Gators offensively. I think you can expect to see an up-tempo game. I didn't think that we would see it last week against Utah just because you know, Utah's such a good team at running the ball where you don't want to go up tempo because then you have a quick three and out and your defense could be right back on the field after a physical possession. So sometimes you don't want to do that. Also, that's not going to happen this week. <laughs> We're going to see that happen with the Florida Gators against Kentucky, I believe, because when they did it against Utah, again, when it was maybe questionable, but I'm still cool with it. I'm not going to really question what Billy Napier is doing, but I think we see it again against Kentucky because we saw it against Utah. Kentucky's offense. Uh, we spoke about this on yesterday's crossover with Lance Dahl from Lockdown, Kentucky. Kentucky's offense right now, they're down three of their top four running backs. Their offensive line looked horrible against Miami of Ohio. So I think the Florida Gators are like, hey, let's put up points as quickly as we can. And Kentucky, I mean, they're going to be forced to throw the ball anyway, but let's put up points as quickly as we can, and Kentucky becomes even more one-dimensional when they have to play catch-up. And I'll be honest, I think their receivers suck. So I, th- I think tempo is a big thing that we're going to be seeing in this game from the Florida Gators. Again, we saw it, and it was quick last week, too. Like, last week, it was we, we had to shorten the chant of the first down because they were going so quick that we were like, okay, well, let's not interrupt their calls. Next, looking at the ground game for the Florida Gators, I think that we're going to see more option um, and not as in a higher percentage of option, just that we're going to see option plays again like we saw last week. Uh, but also, I think when dropping back, it's kind of going to be like at certain points last season, we'll say this, uh, certain points last season, Dan Mullen pretty much told Emory Jones, drop back, and if your first you know, two reads aren't there, Scramble. I think Anthony Richardson is going to take a little bit longer to do that, but I do think that Anthony Richardson will likely take off a bit because looking at Kentucky last last week, first of all, 
they did a very bad job of containing the run against Miami of Ohio. That's bad. And so, so there's that. That is unfortunate for Kentucky. But also, uh, Brett Gabbert, the Miami of Ohio starting quarterback, had 39 rushing yards with 22 yards after contact. And I don't know if you know anything about Brett Gabbert. He's not as athletic as Anthony Richardson. He's not as creative as a ball carrier as Anthony Richardson. He's not as physical as Anthony Richardson. So I would expect Anthony Richardson to have the freedom to run, but also running that option game. I think you're going to see a lot of that and see if Kentucky is going to play disciplined football. And if they are going to play disciplined football, who are they going to let keep the ball? Because Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, Naquan Wright, and the fewer carries he saw, and Anthony Richardson all showed explosive ability last week. So really, it's it's who do you even cover at that? Like, who do you choose to keep the ball? What I say to do is let the QB keep it and then have a looping off-ball linebacker coming around to stop it. But at the same time, that's uh, that's a little that's a little difficult to do just at will. Miami of Ohio also had three carries against Kentucky that went for ten yards or more, and I think I think. Florida is a bit more explosive than Kentucky is. And then uh, Miami of Ohio is on the I know they're more explosive than Kentucky is on the ground. But I think they're more explosive than Miami of Ohio is on the ground. And so I think when you're looking at what Miami of Ohio did with an improved offensive line, an improved running backs, and an improved quarterback, you're looking at a team that could run the ball, I don't want to say at will or with ease. I feel like that's very dismissive of what Kentucky is capable of. Um but you're looking at a team that should have an easier time running the ball than Miami of Ohio did, and Miami of Ohio didn't have the toughest time. Airing it out now, when we're talking about the passing game, Kentucky's two slot corners were pretty good. I believe it was combined three catches on four targets for uh, 14 yards, if I'm not mistaken. I talked about it yesterday in the crossover with Lance, where their slot corners were very good. Of course, they weren't going against Ricky Pearsall, but they were very good. I will say the outside corners for Kentucky were not very good. They weren't horrible, but they weren't very good. Outside corners for Kentucky against Miami of Ohio, they were targeted 13 times. They allowed 12 completions. And here's the thing. It was just 97 yards. So it was always short passes, and they made the tackle relatively quickly. But you're looking at a better QB with a much stronger arm, obviously. You're looking at better receiving weapons. And I think that just leads to more opportunity for big plays. We spoke about this yesterday in the crossover a little bit. And I was saying, you know, I think Florida, this game, they need to push the ball vertically down the sideline. Like I, I know I'm always someone who's like, oh, Florida's got to push the ball vertically. You got to push the ball vertically. You got to test vertically. You got to test down fit, whatever it is. I think in this game specifically, you have to go down the sidelines. You make their corners work on the outside and you make their corners have to commit to playing that run. And that opens up scramble opportunities as well if corners are playing down there. And then you also test their safeties and see what the overtop help is going to look like. Because if you can just challenge them in so many ways, you will be impossible to defend. And I think that's got to be a real key for Florida here is just being menaces, <laughs> menaces to the Kentucky defense. We're about to talk about this Florida defense and this Kentucky offense, which I'm 
admittedly not high on at all. But first, a quick word from Bet Online because prior to the season, I was telling you all, all, take Florida's over. I was saying if you were smart, take the over when it was at seven games. I said it when it was at six and a half games. Take the over. I said if you want to be dumb, take the under. Right now on Bet Online, you lost out there, but Bet Online still has so many things you can bet on, like Florida winning the SEC, Florida winning the national championship, Anthony Richardson winning the Heisman. You can bet on Anthony Richardson's draft stock. You can bet on a lot. Um, if you're Lee Sterling, love you, but um, lockdown bets, Florida easy under. Lee, come on, buddy. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. And now we're talking about this Florida Gators defense against this Kentucky offense. And I think I know how Florida is going to approach this game. I spoke about it a lot during the offseason. And yes, we, we spoke about Creepers coverage a lot. And uh, those replacement blitzes, whatever you want to call them, same pressures. Creepers specifically, we talked about a lot because, I mean, Utah didn't go as RPO has heavy as I thought. I don't know if that's just what their offense is going to look like now or if they were like, hey, Patrick Tony's probably going to call Creepers a bit. Let's not do it because that's a good way to negate it. We'll see if Kentucky does the same because Kentucky is also an RPO heavy team. And here's the thing. Even if they don't go RPO heavy and Florida doesn't go Creepers heavy, as long as you have that threat of doing it, you can maybe make them do their strength less, and that's what you really want to do as well. But I think defensively, we see a lot of zone coverage from Florida. Um, specifically, on the back end, I, th- I think that you're going to look for a lot of zone because you want to keep your eyes on the backfield because Kentucky's offensive line was bad last week. They're, they reportedly are making some moves and changes along it. But here's the thing. Even if you do make those changes and you do make those moves. You've now got a new starting offensive line bunch against this Florida Gators defensive front, which by the way, was not great last week. Uh, The pass rush last week was just bad. Um, It was, it was just very inconsistent. It it was bad, but I I think that they'll clean it up. I don't know why last week they kept lining up a yard off the line of scrimmage. I think that changes and that's fixed. Um, But that's, that's again, that's, that's technical things that need to get touched up on. And that's what Florida needs help with. But I think you want to play zone defense because you can kind of keep your eyes on Will Levis that way. Because I do think that this Florida Gators pass rush will get home. And Will Levis, although he doesn't run, he doesn't necessarily scramble for much yardage. He does run behind the line of scrimmage a good deal. And he extends plays and he creates plays with his legs. And so if you play man coverage, it's the same reason you don't want to play man coverage against the Florida Gators. Uh, obviously to a lesser extent. But last week when Utah played man coverage, Anthony Richardson ripped them for a 45-yard touchdown on the ground. Will Levis probably ain't going to do that, but Will Levis could pick up, you know, six, seven yards, first down here and there, maybe 15 or 20. Will Levis can make you pay with his legs. So I think you want to sit in the zone and make him beat you with his eyes, with his mind, and with his arm, because I don't think he can. Um especially when you look at last week, last year when Kentucky played Florida. Will Levis, this this is one of the reasons I have such a hard time buying in on Will Levis. He sucked against a Todd Grantham defense, a defense that was horrible, a defense that Samford 
lit on fire. He sucked against it. So that's why I, I have a hard time buying in on Will Levis. Looking at their offensive line, their run blocking against Miami of Ohio was hot, stinking garbage. It was terrible. It, it, it was horrible. I think you could plan to rush four, and you can still eat up their offensive line. Maybe your defensive line may make some plays, but if they run the ball, linebackers come down. I think you only rush four. You have no need to blitz in this game. It's just not something you need to do. I'm sure we'll see creepers and we'll see some things where, you know, Shamar James blitzes and Brenton Cox backs off. Things like that. Creepers, you know. But I will also say, there's no need to ever rush more than four. Because you will you will get pressure and you will hit home if you rush four. Kentucky can't stop you. It's as simple as that. So I think when you got the run, you've got those four guys committed to coming in anyway. When you diagnose that it's a run, you crash as a linebacker, a safety corner, whoever it is. I think that when you're playing the passing game there, you rush in with four. And if you're in zone, you've got seven players in coverage. Seven players with their eyes kind of shifting to the backfield. you got seven players that can do that. And you can watch if Will Levis starts rolling, you roll with him. If Will Levis starts running, you end him. It's as simple as that. That's where I think having seven players in coverage is fantastic because Patrick Tony has always expressed, we want to generate pressure without sacrificing coverage on the back end. That's what you can do here without even without even doing creepers and sim pressures. You can just line them up and mow them down and you can get that pressure. As far as what specific coverages we'll see, we know that the Florida Gators will run a lot of quarters coverage. That's what they do. That's what Patrick Tony has always done. Um, there's more man principles there. It's quarters coverage, cover four. Uh, there's more man principles there with safety help over the top. But I think that we see quite a bit of cover two with five underneath. You could see cover two man. That, that's the thing that we'll see as well, I'm pretty sure, just given Florida's secondary strength and Kentucky's weakness at receiver. But again, that leaves you open to scrambles. That that leaves you open to stuff like that. So I think you want to avoid that. But I do think we'll see quarters. We might see cover two man. You know, I'm sure we will at least a little bit, just given, again, Patrick Tony. He likes man defense. He does. Which, fantastic. As, as long as you're playing a quarterback that won't kill you for it. Will Levis also specifically, which is why I said we're going to have cover two with five underneath defenders. Will Levis had one of the quickest times to throw in all of college football last week. Last year, he had one of the quicker times to throw. It's quicker this year, but he had one of the quicker times to throw in college football last week, and he gets rid of the ball quickly, not that he gets pressured or anything like that. Just how quick it takes him to throw the ball. Will Levis is not looking for those deep, over-the-top throws often. That's just not what he looks for. That's not what Kentucky wants to do. That's not what they're game planning for. And frankly, they don't have the offensive line or the receiver talent to do that. So I think if you sit in this cover two shell and you've got five underneath defenders just watching Will Levis, see what he's doing, see where he's looking, see where he wants to throw this ball, and you've got two over top defenders, you are going to give Will Levis hell. And I I think that's something where you have to go, I'll take that 10 times out of 10. (laughs) I, I think that... That's an approach that you should take. I think that make Will Levis beat you with his arm because he's not good enough to. It's as simple as that. Um, so, I, And I think also when you play that that 
two deep five under coverage. You make Will Levis complete tight window throws underneath, which he does have the arm to do. I think he has the arm to complete those. I don't think he could do it consistently enough to win this football game. And that is one of the reasons that I am all in on Florida winning this. I'm I'm taking an alt spread. I'm taking them to go win by 10 or more. I don't care that the line's four and a half. I'm taking them to win by more. And we'll see what Tyler Fornis has to say tomorrow when we do the bonus episode about betting. But we're about to take a look at the depth chart and what the biggest takeaways were, for me at least. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about the biggest takeaways from the depth chart that was released on Wednesday evening. It was kind of a late release also, but but the biggest changes that were made on Wednesday evening. First thing that was most notable to me was slot. Because you look at the slot and who is it? It's Ricky Pearsall. Nothing. It's Ricky Pearsall and there's Trent Whitmore below him. But last week when we looked at it, there was an or. Last week when we looked at it, there was an or on that list. This time, there was there was not an or. There, there was no or to be had on that list. And it's like, okay, then a little curious as to uh, what happened. Because, I mean, Ricky Pearsall balled. He did, no doubt about it. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like Trent Whittemore even had the, the opportunity to prove himself there. Um and look, I, I love Ricky Pearsall. I've been saying since the start, I was like, he's going to start over Trent Whitmore. I just think Trent Whitmore will also play. Um, Trent Whitmore on Saturday against Utah played eight snaps. Eight. He was run blocking on six of them. He was run blocking on six of the eight. Ran two routes, did not get targeted, did not get anything. It's incredibly... Not, I don't want to say frustrating. I'm not frustrated about it. I'm confused about it um, because Jaquavian Frazier's played 13. Deshaun Reynolds also played eight snaps. Marcus Burke played one. I'm more confused as to why Trent Whitmore played the least snaps of the top five receivers just because Trent Whitmore, I mean, he's got the size and skill set to work inside and out. Ricky Pearsall can work inside and out, which is why it confuses me a little bit. Um and again, I'm not the type to be like, oh, that that's stupid. I hate that. I was also the one saying last year, we didn't see Trent Whitmore run many complex routes. He was a lot of times on bubbles and underneath stuff. He wasn't really running these complex routes. So it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm more so just curious as to is Trent Whitmore just not living up to the hype that we were anticipating initially? What is it? I also think that this week against Kentucky – we will see him play more than eight snaps because not only will Florida try to spread out the ball to who's catching, who's getting targets here, I think this week Florida will go a little less 12 personnel, sometimes have 11, sometimes 10, sometimes 0-1. Who cares? They're probably not going to do that one. But I think you'll see more four receiver sets, which we didn't see a ton of last week at all. That's one of the reasons why other receivers also had such low numbers. Like, like the receiver that plays – what, the fourth most was it? You had Xavier Henderson playing 54 snaps. Uh, Xavier Henderson played 54 snaps. Justin Shorter played 52. Ricky Pearsall played 40. And then next with 13th. So I feel like the fourth most receiver playing only 13 snaps in a game in which your team had 65. Bit interesting. Um, 
again, not a, not a bad thing. It's just a bit interesting. I think you see spread it out more and put more receivers on the field. And so Trent Whittemore would be that second slot receiver when there's four receivers out there. Running back, Lorenzo Lingard. You've finally made an appearance. Lorenzo Lingard is finally on the depth chart. He is running back four. Uh, and I realized that almost every day I get comments that are, where's Lorenzo Lingard? What's going on with Lorenzo Lingard? What's this? What's that? Here's the thing. I'm not saying he's bad. Um, that's not what I'm going to say. I will say, I was told last season, during the season, last season, I was told Lorenzo Lingard is struggling picking up the playbook with Dan Mullen and that coaching staff. I don't know if this year's playbook is more complex or less complex. I haven't seen Dan Mullen's playbook, and I haven't seen Billy Napier's playbook. So I don't know which one's more complex or which one's less complex. I know last year he struggled picking up the playbook. Now he's there. He's listed as running back four. We'll see if he plays. I think he will. I feel like if you're on that depth chart, you're going to play at least a snap or two. You're, you're going to, and I don't care that he was there one snap last year, last week for the kneel down on offense. He plays special teams. He's on that second line. Yes, he's on the field at times, but we want to see him on offense and see what he can do there. Also, I want to leave the, I want to leave the the discourse open to maybe he's just not as good as we anticipated. Like that that happens all the time with these kids. Maybe he's better. I mean, he's a five star, so it's hard to be better. Maybe he's better though. Maybe he's worse. But that, I think that people need to stop going. He's a five star. Why isn't he feeling? Why isn't he seeing the field? I don't care if you're a five star. If you're not the best dude, you shouldn't be out there. So if that's the issue, with Lorenzo Lingard, so be it. But I think that Billy Napier has shown. Everything since the moment he accepted this job, everything he's shown is just trust me, whatever happens will be the right decision. And I'm, I'm fine going with that approach. I have no issue with that. Last thing to talk about real quick. This one's just real quick. It's interesting. Uh, D-tackle. Desmond Watson was listed as 439 pounds going into the Utah game. A week later, he's 415. I'm not saying it's impossible to lose that much weight, especially if like a lot of it's water weight and you were sweating playing and all that. But that's a lot of weight in a week. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the first measurements were from those, uh, I think it was August 15th was the first time that they like did anything really um, measuring and photos and all that stuff. So maybe it was from August 15th. Uh, that was the first time for fall or, or whatever it was, but yeah, he's down 24 pounds in a week on the depth chart. Again, I think that that first weight is just from a, a date in time. Um, now that's it. The Florida Gators play tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow with Tyler Fornes to talk about some betting that I know I made money using Tyler's advice of parlaying the Florida Gators win and the over. So maybe you can too. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We will be back tomorrow. Like I said, for Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country at SI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow.